Today's scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply great in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Derek, for reading our scripture this morning. We are starting a new sermon series today. It's called Recalibrate. So I'm going to kick off the series a little bit and then invite our uh, summer ministry intern to come and offer the message this morning. Have you ever been heading down 95 when you hear some odd noise, clunk, clank, clang, thump? And oh no, (laughs) you're worried. Can I make it to the next exit in time to get off and check out what's going on with my vehicle? Or do I need to pull off on the side of the road right now because something needs attention? The wheels, the engine, we don't know what it is. We need a mechanic and we need to get to an automotive shop. But when we take the vehicle to the automotive shop, (laughs) it doesn't make the noise. It's like it's messing with you and knows somebody is listening and watching. But then on the way home, clunk, clank, clang, thump all over again. Reality sets back in and we know something needs to change. But what? And how do we find out we need a good mechanic? My grandfather was a good and gifted mechanic. And I was so proud of him. And he was known in the county where we lived as the person to call if you need help with your antique tractor engine. And he would go and stand beside those old antique tractors and just listen. And from listening to it, watching it, he would know what tweak was needed here, what tweak was needed there, and what needed to happen in order to adjust that two-cylinder John Deere engine so it would purr and pop the way it's supposed to, with everything aligned and moving in the right direction. What about if we're not talking about a tractor engine or our vehicle out on 95? What if we're talking about our own lives and hearts? And something's off. Clunk, clank, clang, thump. With the start of a new school year, maybe we're realizing something in our own lives might need attention. A tweak here, a tweak there. As we try to balance and take care of life and work and faith and family and responsibilities and homes and vehicles and kids and chores and errands and bills and you name it. 
Sometimes we're just trying to hold it together like somebody else is watching and when we're headed on the way home, reality sets in again. That's what this sermon series is about. Recalibrating. What is it in our lives that might need attention, that might need tweaking as we revisit in the scripture that we lift up with this series, our priorities and principles that the Bible gives us as we want to be headed in the right direction. My dad has a saying for that. He says, keep it between the ditches with the greasy side down. Which means more (laughs) than keep it in the right lane, Emily, and keep the vehicle upright. He's a lot deeper than that. It also means keep it between the ditches with the greasy side down. In other words, be deliberate about your priorities and principles in life. And be going where you mean to go. Be going in the way that God calls us to follow God's will for our hearts and our lives and our church. We keep it between the ditches with the greasy side down. We have a mechanic that helps us to do that called the Holy Spirit who listens to our hearts and listens to our lives and walks with us through everything and knows what we need to change. So we'll start this sermon series today called Recalibrate and pray that God would recalibrate our hearts and our lives to be that reflection that God calls it to be of God's love and grace in this world as we seek to grow as faithful disciples. I want to invite Kate Priest to come up. She's going to give our first sermon of the series today. Kate has been with us all summer for these last uh, eight weeks as our summer ministry intern and I'll remove my notes so you can see yours. Uh, Kate is is a student at Randolph-Macon, and she grew up here at Ebenezer. She grew up in our ministry. She was part of our student ministries and received a call to ministry during one of our mission trips here uh, in the summer. And so we are honored and humbled to be able to support her in that call and to be a teaching church and to invite her to offer what will be now. This morning, it was her second sermon ever at the 815. So now this is her third sermon ever uh, with many, many more to come in your life as you seek to follow that call. So we are honored to have you. It's her last Sunday with us as the summer ministry intern, and you'll still see her because she still lives here. So uh, (laughs) we're celebrating your internship today. Would you join me as we pray for Kate this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the calls that you place on our hearts and lives, those calls that direct us to our neighbor, those calls that direct us to you, those calls that sometimes turn into a life given to ministry and service. Lord, we pray for Kate this morning that your spirit would be poured out upon her from head to toe, that she would be your voice this morning, your conduit, that you would use her, Lord, to speak into our lives. Meditations of our hearts be a blessing, Lord, and may we lift up all that we say and do for your purpose and your glory. Lord, uh, open the text for us this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Before we start this morning, I want to begin with asking you two questions. First, what does it mean to be a Christian? What is your foundation that your faith stems from? These are big questions and ones that you probably don't have an automatic answer for. As such, let's hold off on answering them and revisit them later. 
The passage read for us this morning by Derek comes from Deuteronomy and is known as the Shema. Shema, S-H-E-M-A, is your Hebrew word meaning to hear or to obey. And looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, you can see why this became known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. This passage is quite fitting for the start of our new sermon series, Recalibrate, as the Shema was, to be honest, a foundational teaching point for the Jewish faith. We can see this in the very first words of our passage. Now this is the commandment. Note the use of the singular noun here. The commandment. You see, Judaism was filled with rules upon rules. In fact, the Torah, which is Hebrew for the law, contains roughly 613 ordinances, which are to be followed by the Jewish people. The first five books of the Bible are essentially a rule book with strict guidelines on how a person is to live their life and follow God. But our passage starts with the singular, the commandment. Why do that when there are a significant number of rules in the Torah? Is this passage, therefore, the culmination of all the 613 commandments? Is this the law that all other rules are based off of? Well, to answer these questions, let's go forward in time and look to the Gospels. In three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus is asked which is which commandment is the greatest. He replies by quoting the start of the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. Luke 10.27 Based on Jesus' words, the Shema, the Shema truly is the commandment, the greatest out of all the rules in the Torah. This is the central idea of what it is to be Jewish and furthermore, what it is to be a Christian. Everything about our faith should stem from this idea. This passage ought to be at the central point of our faith. We should go back to it as a foundation for why we do what we do. This should be what we build our life upon. This is what we should recalibrate everything around. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That sounds pretty simplistic. But how in the world do we accomplish that? How can we really recalibrate our lives around this? How do we build our life upon this foundation? It can be challenging to understand these words and even more difficult to live out in our day-to-day lives. In order to apply this passage, let's first consider each word carefully. Love, one of the very first words of verse 5. What is love? In our society, we say we love a lot of things. I love my parents. I love my kids. I love my friends. Or perhaps you say you love everyday items. I love books or I love pizza. And with school starting this past week, students all around the county are saying I love school. Right, students? (laughs) There's a multitude of things we state we love, and as such, we start to lose the meaning of the word. So what does it mean to love God? Well, our passage answers that question. It means to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might. Sounds very simple. But again, it begs the question, what does this mean? Love God with all our heart. This was believed in ancient times to be the location of intellect. With this understanding, we are called to love God with deep intellectual assent. This idea is pushed even further when, if you remember, Jesus added, Love the Lord your God with all your mind when he quoted the Shema in the Gospels. Love God with our soul. At this time, there was no belief in a soul apart from the body. It was one and the same. As such, the word soul could be better translated from the Hebrew as life. Thus, we are called to love God with our whole life, with the core of our very being. Love God with all our might. Or as, just, or as Jesus put it in the Gospels, our strength. 
The Shema calls for us to love God to the best of our ability, to use whatever we have to love Him. That sounds amazing, doesn't it? And again, quite simple to put into practice. Or is it? This is a love that escapes all understanding. It is a love that consumes our whole being, that demands everything and all that we are. A love that transcends all of the words we could ever use to describe our relationship with God. This love takes from us all that we are, our entire hearts, our entire minds, our entire souls, and our entire might. This is a beautiful love, a love that is reckless and never-ending. This type of love described in the Shema implies that everything we do, everything we think about, is all designed to be centered on God and God alone. But how do we do this? How do we love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might? Let's look farther into the Shema. I invite you to look at the text with me. Verses 7 through 9 states, Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign in your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. How do we put these verses into practice? Are we to take them literally or metaphorically? Looking at the Jewish faith tradition, we ought to take them literally. You see, they would bind texts from the Torah on their hands and on their forehead. These bindings were called teflon. Furthermore, they would place a small box containing text of scripture on their doorpost called mezuzah. Still today, this is practiced. Are we to do this then? Are we to literally bind scripture to ourselves and write it on our doors? Or are we to take this passage metaphorically? Metaphorically speaking, this passage should be remembered at all times. It ought to be at the very center of everything we do and to constantly be at the front of our minds as we go about our day. And as we seek to understand how we are supposed to love God, how this passage should be taken metaphorically, let's again revisit each word of this passage, unpacking it one step at a time. Now that we know what each word means, let's start to answer the question of how we can accomplish this in our lives, our hearts, and our mind. As we established earlier, this is connected with our intellect. In practice, this means we need to constantly seek to understand God. When we may never fully understand who he is, we are still called to try and understand God. This means going to church every week, joining a small group, reading the Bible, and praying daily. These are all ways that we can use to understand God and to love him with our heart and our mind, our soul. Earlier I stated that this means to love God with the core of our very being. In practice, this means to follow the calling that God has placed on each and every one of our hearts, to follow the life we were made to follow, our might or our strength, to love God to the best of our ability. This is a step off from loving God with our whole soul. Not only are we told to follow the calling God has placed on our hearts, but we are also to do it with everything we have and everything that we are. It's similar to the disciples being called to leave everything to follow Jesus. With all this in mind, let's recall my two questions from earlier. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is your foundation that your faith stems from? My first year of college was just this past year. By the end of my first two months there, I had found myself in a close-knit group consisting of five people. We spend a lot of time together, sharing meals, hanging out in each other's dorm rooms, and being there for each other. Even over the summer, we stayed in close contact while living in counties all across Virginia. Thing is, I'm the only Christian in the friend group. 
My other friends each had their own experience with the church, much of it negative. But that didn't deter any of us from being friends or from doing life together. Over the duration of the school year, my friends would comment on my strong sense of right and wrong and how much they could see that I cared for them. Even before I shared with them that I was a Christian, these were indicators for them of my faith. You see, it wasn't because I wore a cross every day or because I talked constantly about my faith with them that told them of my religious beliefs. What informed them of my identity as a Christian was my actions, the way I lived my life, and my morals. And these all stem from the fact that I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my might. Because of my love for God, I shape my values and morals with those from the Bible. I seek Him with all that I have, following the calling that God has placed on my heart, a calling that has led me to be here at this very moment. Because I love God, I feel compelled to love God's children. And that shows itself in how I care for my friends, in how I behave with them, in how I carry myself around them. For me to be a Christian means to fulfill what Jesus called the greatest commandment to the best of my ability. The foundation of my faith, the central idea that it stems from, is to love God with all my heart, soul, and might. Everything that I do, everything that I believe, is built from this foundation. So with that, I turn my questions back on to you. What does it mean to be a Christian? What is your foundation that your faith stems from? Is your foundation the Shema? If it is, then how do you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might? How do you seek to understand God in your day-to-day life? What is it that God is calling you to do? How are you following that calling in your faith journey? To answer these questions, I offer up four faith practices to examine. First, community. Who are you experiencing life with? Are you a part of a small group? Who are you pouring into and who is pouring into you? Next, prayer. Are you praying consistently? A couple weeks ago, Pastor Jeff had encouraged us to pray three times a day. How are you doing with this? See, praying daily helps to build our relationship with God, helping us to understand God better. The third practice is service to others. Who are you serving? Are you effectively using the gifts and talents that God has given you to help those in need? Lastly, scripture. Different than prayer, reading the Bible helps us to understand God more clearly. Are you reading the Bible? How are you using God's word to follow him more faithfully? By using these four different areas, we can figure out how to use the Shema as a foundational point for our faith and furthermore, our lives. As we continue our series Recalibrate in the next few weeks, I encourage you to take the time to take a step back and reevaluate the foundation for your faith. Using the four areas I talked about, community, prayer, service, and scripture, learn how to make the Shema the central point for your faith. Seek to understand God with all your heart. Discern where God is calling you to go and what God is calling you to do with all your soul and follow that calling with all your might. This, church, is how we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. Amen and amen.